Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to It Came From Beyond the Podcast. Hello, hello, everyone. It's Martin here, and this is... I'm Neil. Hi, Neil. Good, thanks for listening. Um, So, uh, this week, we're going to be looking at uh, Peeping Tom, Repulsion, Madhouse, and Kill List. It's been a a very, very English, a very British Yes, uh, no, I, I noticed that as, a, as we were going through it, that it sort of, it, it did seem to be tending quite Anglophile. Like, yeah. Sort of, but, but fortunately, at, at some point, we go to Northern England, so there's diversity. Yeah, it's not all London in the swing yeah. 60s and 70s. Yeah, um, um, and, and, and even one of them's made by a Polak, so... Uh, yeah, yeah. Pol, pol, Polish person, Polish <laughs> person. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> uh, which one's the one made? Uh, Polanski? Yeah. Ah, right, because I thought that was going to be, be an American film. Yeah. But okay. it wasn't, was it? It was set in England. No, no. Um, but I, we're kicking off chronologically with yeah. uh, 1960s Peeping Tom, yeah. uh, remarkable for being banned in Finland until 1981. Wow. And, and when, it, when it came out, it, was, uh, it, it was, came out... Uh, we'll tell you the story of the film. Uh, it, 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 the film is about a, a young man who works as, as a cameraman on film sets, and he, from the start of the film, uh, very early on, you find out that he's murdering women while filming them. Yeah. Uh, which he does throughout the course of the film. But he also uh, develops a sort of relationship with one of his... Uh, he owns a large house, and uh, one of the tenants is a young lady, develops a relationship with her, that comes into conflict with her mother, and... Uh, her blind and mother. Her blind mother. Yeah. And at the end, he commits suicide while being filmed on camera. And, yeah. and his fetish, like the reason behind all the murders, he's filming as he's going. It's a very, yeah. very intense film. Right? That's very intense, isn't it? It's quite... It's very cool. For, for 1960, it's it's yeah. quite full on. Like, if you consider... Um, uh, Psycho is quite gory, but because it's so heavily edited, like, you're taken out of it a bit. Whereas the thing about this film is, during the, the, the murder that opens the film of a prostitute yeah. uh, who walks off the street, this is all done in the first-person perspective, up the stairs and into her bedroom, yeah. uh, there's no cuts, and you just see a woman die on camera. It's very, very upsetting. Yeah, yeah, it's very... It's very, it's very... Um, and the, there's always a strange light going in their eyes when they're being killed. You see on the film, there's a strange light flashing in their eyes, and that actually turns out. Oh, we should say we should mention oh. there's spoilers throughout all of this. Oh yeah, yeah. There's always spoilers. I put it on the on the uh, description, so if if you found anything out already, then it's kind of your fault. Drenched um, in spoilers, we are. So yeah, he uh, shines a light on them, which turns out to be a reflective a mirror. So that they can see themselves being killed because he likes that kind of thing. Yeah. There, there is nothing more terrifying than fear, I yeah. think, is, is the line that he's given. Um, yeah, it's, definitely, it's, a, it's a very interesting film, a very influential film. And Hang on, it, I've just got to go and sort out my cat. I'll just do it. Yeah, no, it, uh, it, it's a very, very influential film, and it, uh, the the director of it, Michael Powell, who I'll talk a bit more about later, uh, he, he said that in, in 1960 I made a film that nobody wanted to see, yeah. as the critics loudly said at the time for being too offensive, uh, and 20 years later everyone I know has seen it or wants to see it. Yeah. 
Yeah, and the thing, right, it was called the um, the British Psycho, but it actually came out a few months before Psycho. Mm. Uh, and there's always that kind of rivalry between England and America. Like, once America's done something, England's got to say they did it first. Um, and so this is, it kind of is the same. It's like a mild-mannered, socially awkward person killing. Well, it's, it's, a, it's a young, attractive, relatable serial killer. Yeah. It's a parallel I definitely saw. Yeah, and, yeah and absolutely. You, you, you've come along with it. The difference being, in this film... Almost from the off, you're aware that he is the murderer. Right? Yes. It's, ne it's never really in doubt that the main character of this, Mark, is the murderer. Whereas Norman Bates in Psycho, and I've always found this interesting, it's an important turning point in the film where you find out that he committed the crime. Yeah. It's not known from the start. So yeah. that, that certainly is different. But this film invites you to relate to a murderer, whereas Psycho does it. It says relate to this person, and by the way, he's a murderer. Yeah, eventually you find out, yeah. Um, yeah, but then now Psycho suffers from the uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde effect, where everyone goes into it knowing that he's the murderer. No one goes into it thinking, oh, what a nice guy. Oh, he's the murderer. Whereas, like in Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, everybody know, knows that uh, Mr. Hyde is actually Dr. Jekyll yeah. after drinking a drink. But if you read the actual book... It's not until the last couple of pages that that's revealed. Mm. So the whole thing is supposed to be this mystery. So you can't really... Robert Louis Stevenson would be very annoyed. Yeah, he'd be very annoyed. Um, yeah, no, there's definitely a young female victim, same as Psycho. Um, it, it's actually not as gory. You see a lot of blood in Psycho, whereas in this, notably... Not, not at all, blood. not till the very end. Um, and, and even then, actually, like the, 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 in the end, he, when he commits suicide with the knife to the throat, it's, yeah. it's, it's covered by the hand. You don't actually see anything. Yeah, um, you just see a bit of a splash on the clock. So it's very intense. It's, very, it's directed by Michael Powell, who yeah. in America was known for directing musicals. And he oh. came over to England to, to direct this. And this uh, was, was such a terrible disaster yeah. when it came out that it ended his directing career, it respectively. It was panned. Everyone hated it, didn't they? Um, but you can, you can tell, watching it, it's really fascinating that you can tell it's directed by a musical director. The murders are staged like dance sequences. Yeah. Um, there, there's a scene where he murders a woman in a film studio. And she, and she, she, she dances in a large part of it. But even outside of that, when uh, if you track the character's footsteps, it's choreographed. No, it, it's not realistic at all. They, they, it, they're sort of wandering backwards and forwards in the fore, foreground and background, and that's intentional. That's, okay. that's supposed to build tension. That's set to a metronome, and it's, yeah. actually, it's actually part of the tension, which I found very interesting. It, it, it works. Like It's a very tense moment, and it's... Because they're dancing to that swinging jazz yeah. kind of music, and she does, she starts clicking her fingers. There's one bit where they, they find her in a box, and they find the, the reel-to-reel, -reel and they start to play it, and one policeman can't help but just click his fingers. <laughs> it's like, what is this? There, there is a lot of very, very black, slightly misogynistic comedy in the film. Yeah, and certainly, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the, uh, yeah, uh, when uh, the, the actress finds the body in the box, the... Director screaming out the silly bitches fainted in the wrong scene. Yeah, well, that's because he was having a problem with her fainting in the scene yeah. earlier. Um, yeah. Uh, the, yeah, this is the thing. Like, it's a, it's quite a graphic film for 1960. Um, the only thing that isn't mentioned in the film, which is ironically key to the characterization, yeah. is, is masturbation. Because this guy goes up into his room and watches the films of the, the ladies being murdered over and over again. Yeah. And they are uh, women who work in pornography or prostitutes or whatever. And there's yeah. certainly the heavy implication 
But everything else in the film is mentioned and stated up front about murderous impulse, about voyeurism, everything. Yeah. It's only that that word seems to be the only line the film doesn't quite cross. The yeah. Same. You were having a wank up there. There are, there are certain things they say about other people going home to have a wank, like he's not going to do any work tonight. He won't be doing the cro- crosswords this evening. That's it, yeah. The, when the, the guy line. buys the pornography at the beginning, or the views. Yes. That's it, that's really, because that's a, like the views, and it's quite voyeuristic. Oh, lots of little points left throughout the film. Uh, the, the other thing I found very interesting about this film, it's actually written by one of uh, Britain's top cryptographers during World War II, a man called Leo Marx. He was ah. a, a polymath, a man who knew a lot about uh, uh, mathematical equations and everything, and yeah. in his spare time wrote movies about murdering voyeurs. So, yeah. Yeah, it's... um. And it certainly has that... It, it feels a lot like a Hitchcock film in places. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it goes a little bit further. And several years later, Hitchcock actually did a film about a British serial killer called Frenzy. I've and I not seen Frenzy. Th- there are connections. It does seem to have the same sort of milieu almost, like those dirty bits of London... Yeah, um, yeah. ...that you see he, him living in and, and working, shooting his pornography in. Because yeah. he, he works in, in his spare time, he works as a pornographer. Um, but like I've heard that Hitchcock was not happy with Frenzy. Like it's one of the only Hitchcock films with boobs in, and he kind of did it to be uh, popular. Right. But the nudity in Frenzy, and I won't go into a full discussion about Frenzy. Okay. But Frenzy, um, uh, it is the least sexual nudity you will ever see in a film. Okay, like cool. it is, it is you see a breast because there's a corpse there. Like, oh right. Not, okay. He may have been unhappy with it, but it's not. It's not really that rough. Yeah. Um, if there's a, the only criticism I can really think of the film is the the female lead, the lady who shares the house with him and ends up in a relationship with him. Yeah. He is quite frightening and off-putting from the start, and the fact that she keeps coming back to his apartment seems a little inexplicable. Oh, she's young, she's naive, and he is quite innocently charming. And like she says, he has a thing. So he's off-putting when you're when you see him. In all other circumstances, but around her, he's quite sheepish. And then there's that, you know, he gets that look when all of a sudden he wants to, he's going to have to murder someone. Yeah. He gets that look in his eye. And he doesn't really ever get that around her. And at the end, when um, she's saying, you've got to tell me what happened, he's like, no, because you'll get scared and I can't see your face when you're scared. You're mm-hmm. safe unless I see you being scared. He's quite a well-developed character, I'd argue she. There's still an issue with her, though her mother does provide quite an interesting function in the film and a beautiful oh. sequence because her mother is blind and she confronts the, the main character, the murderer, in his apartment filled with photography equipment. Yeah. So she's surrounded by evidence of what he's doing that she can't see. But uh, she has a conversation about instinct. The argument is that she knows that there's something not all right with him. Yeah. And she has a line about it's not healthy making these films. Yeah. That she knows that every night instead of talking to people or going out or, or, or acting like a normal person, listening to the radio, all he does is go upstairs and flick the projector on and watch these movies. That he's made. Yeah. But, I mean, that's kind of what happens now, isn't it? You get home, you go, you're going to look on YouTube at, at videos that people have just gone out and made on their, yeah. on their phones. And you look at the stuff, the photos you've taken on your, your phones. It's all very personalised now. So... Yeah, it's quite a clear-eyed film. It's not even, even the psychological... Um, aspects of it about his father uh, it, it's argued it, it tortured him growing up for yeah. his experiments for the, for the it's, sake it's of science it's never explicitly stated what's going on there and I think that's quite sensible because it means 
We'll talk about repulsion later, about like drawing yeah. a definite line about what's wrong with the protagonist in a, in a horror film. Yeah. But in this one, they leave a little bit open. There's a chance his father may have been doing something far more disturbing. Well, when he flips on the uh, the reel to reels at the end with the sound, and you just hear the screaming, and he's like, "Me at five years, me at nine years." Yeah. I didn't tell you everything. There's a lot of ambiguity in the films that we chose for this week. There's yeah. a lot of unanswered questions in all of them. Well, the, yeah, th this one certainly... Um, but Martin Scorsese uh, said of this film that uh, this, in common with uh, Frederico Fellini's Eight and a Half, contained everything that needs to be said about directing a movie. Yeah. And the way that a camera violates people, and the way that it, it certainly... In making, in making it explicit by using a camera as the murder weapon, yeah. they're actually able to say a lot of things about the way films are made. Yeah. And an interesting horror connection with this, Michael Powell directed this, mm -hmm. and his uh, producer partner, I believe, was Emmerich Pressburger back in England, in America, when he was making musicals. Yeah. And it was Emmerich Pressburger and Michael Powell's Tales of Hoffman that George Romero saw that convinced him to become a movie director. Oh, wow. And he, of course, ended up uh, creating Night of the Living Dead and basically inventing the mo modern horror movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, I was doing a bit of research and I saw that George Romero has the rights to do a remake of Peeping Tom. It's not quite surfaced yet. <laughs> Instead, we got Diary of the Dead. Please, God, let, let it never surface. Yeah. I, I love George Romero, but I, I, I don't want to see what that would end up being. No, no, not... Bru not. Bruises the most psychological he's allowed to go nowadays. Yeah. Not, <laughs> let's not see anything more complicated than that. Yeah. Um... Yeah, no, but it, this certainly is just, just for its time, just a fascinating artifact and a lot more hardcore than Hitchcock would ever have gone. Like, yeah. It's a, a rubber film, but it's still, it's weird to see a film that has a guy filming pornography and noticing that one of the models in the pornography is scarred up. And so he yeah. like, focuses on her, on her face. Yeah. Like... And she says, oh, you don't have to fill my face. And he says, but I want to. Yeah. But I want to. I want to. This weird, nondescript European actor. He's also in... Yeah, no, the, um, the, the actor Boma, I, I think, he, he was actually German. And he's sort of inexplicably German. Because when you cut back to... His father talks over the videos of him as a child. And the father has an English accent. Yeah. He's only ever lived in England. Uh, yeah. German accents more there for effect than anything else. Yeah, yeah, because uh, everyone was still reeling from World War Two, I guess. Yeah, and certainly a, a creepy German scientist with a German accent is. Yeah. You know that's that's got precedent. Oh, it's still still in effect today. Is everyone knows a good. Is it safe, Neil? Is it safe? <laughs> is it safe? Um, yeah. So that was that was Peeping Tom. Yeah. Um, and the next film up we have Repulsion. Repulsion. I I've got a sentence to to describe Repulsion. Um, uh, moody French girl sulks herself into a murderous frenzy. Yes. That's right. repulsion. Patsy from Abfab in the 1960s stabbed some guys. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. But, I was very disappointed by this film. Really? I, yeah. I found it interesting. I think it's uh, David Cronenberg once said of the early films that he made, the, the experimental student films, that, yeah. that I've, making these films, I realised you can make a film that is both very interesting and very boring at the same time. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. I think that's what you could accurately say about, about this. It is, it is made by Roman Polanski, one of the, the most talented filmmakers who's ever lived, and I, a rapist. And we a rapist. To, we have to add the colliery in there. Definitely. You need to know that about him. I really like Polanski's movies. Like, yes. I've always enjoyed them. 
Ghost Rider was a very good film. Really good. As was Carnage. Uh, he should be in jail, but I, I yeah. can still objectively assess the film. He should have gone to jail, done his time, come out, and be making those yes. films. Yes. No, that, that would have been preferable. Yeah. It's important we mention that, but yeah. we'll move on. Um, but The Rapist Polanski is... This one of The, the Rapist Polanski's earliest uh, movies. He made this because apparently it was going to, to be popular, uh, so he could make Cul-de-Sac. Not seen Cul-de-Sac. I really like Cul-de-Sac. I'm no. a very big fan. Um, I'm, I'm a very big fan of most of his stuff. Uh, it, it says a lot about this film, though. My, my first note while watching it is, Catherine Deneuve is very pretty. <laughs> she is very pretty. She is. She's a, she was very attractive. Um, and and I felt it was quite a resident resonant depiction of encroaching madness, just based on my... I, I have a very low-level mental illness, being anxiety and depression. Yeah. And I would say that my experiences of, of in depression locked in your own house, you know, trapped with the walls, it's quite... The way the film depicts that... Yeah. Um, if it, if it's stretching and space-seeming sort of Im- impermeable, like it's... Uh, the the size of the rooms isn't quite settled on. It keeps stretching, and the and the walls seem everything seems very fragile. Like, yeah, um, yeah. I did feel that was very effective. Fragile and threatening. Um, um, do you want to give a quick rundown of the actual storyline? Because mine, although yeah. brief and accurate, <laughs> may not give most information. A, a, a young French woman lives in London with her her sister, who has a, a married boyfriend. Uh, she is left alone for the week. And uh, because her, her sister and her boyfriend go on holiday and mm-hmm. while being left alone, she gets very unwell and kills a couple of men. Yeah. One of them comes around to help her because he likes her and wants to court her. Yes. And the other one's a landlord who, who tries it on and tries to pull a Polanski. Yeah, no, it's certainly um, the, the depiction of her. The implication in the film is that she's terrified of... of She's disgusted by the idea of sex. Certainly, very, very importantly, disgusted by the idea of sex with a man. Yeah. And she she kisses her suitor at one stage and then runs upstairs to wipe her mouth with a towel. Yeah. Like that's quite. I I think that was gotten across quite clearly mm. in in the movie. Um, but at the end of the film, it does become a bit clumsy and heavy-handed. Like we said, in Peeping Tom, it's left a bit open-ended about what his father may have done with him to to break him to. To, to make him this way. Yeah. This, this is the, the 60s and Freudian psychology was the go-to. Yeah. yeah. But um, also, uh, it, it, at the end of this film, it, it's very heavily implied that her father abused her as a child. The final it shot is. is of her glaring at her father in a family portrait. Yeah. And throughout the film, she, she's constantly had these nightmares of being assaulted by a man in bed. Yeah. Now, that bit is terrifying, yeah. right? There's that bit when she is... Looking, uh, she opens a mirror or something like that. She closes a door with a mirror on it, and there's a, that you see the man in the background goes boom, the music kicks in, and then they close it again. He's not there. That stuff, that kind of stuff, really creeps me out. That yeah. was really well done. No, the the hands coming through the walls, a trick that's been yeah. used in several films now, but this would have been the original Day of the Dead. Yeah, Day of the Dead. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It sticks out. Um, uh, and I was certainly in in the changing size of the rooms and everything. I was actually. What it brought to mind for me was the the short story writer J.G. Ballard writes a number of stories about people being trapped in a room. He has a short story about a man who tries to live on what's left in his kitchen. Yeah. Months. He loses his job and decides to just stay at home yeah. and see how long he can survive. But he traps the next door neighbours, cats with things and everything. And his oh. descriptions of what the inside of the house starts to feel like when you don't leave 
Yeah. Kind of reminded me of the, the special effects this film uses. Yeah, okay. The, the cracks in the walls widening. Yeah. Well, seeing them just go, like, that makes you jump. It's quite scary. But talking yeah. of uh, living on stuff that you've got in your cupboard, that's something I want to do at one point, is just to not go shopping for a week and live on... I've got a week's worth of food in my cupboards that I don't <laughs> eat. And I reckon I could, I could survive a week on, like, bits of pasta, cans of stuff. But, and this also ties into repulsion, because one of the remarkable things about repulsion, we follow this, this girl for about a week. Mm. Uh, actually, three days, I think, she's left by herself. Might, that, might be the, the timeline. It yeah. feels like longer, but because the film's quite slow. Yeah, so slow. It takes but, forever to do anything. Oh, But it, it is remarkable that the main character doesn't eat very much. She's, we should she ignore on a cracker. For a second. Yeah. Like, uh, she, she snaps in half. She snaps quite a few things in half. Yeah. That's, a, that's one of her traits. I don't know if it's meant to, meant to represent something, but it's the thing she does often, is yeah. break things in half. And I think the reason the film doesn't seem as impressive to us now, and it does seem quite slow and quite staggered, is that now, for 1965, this kind of extremely detailed character study, we follow Catherine Deneuve's character throughout the whole film. Yeah. Now, we've actually seen that done several times. David Cronenberg's Spider yeah. is one I thought of. Um, uh, Lucky McKee's May is okay, a recent horror film we'll, we'll probably look at at some point. But that that's another one that took a lot from this. Like this kind of look at a mind um, deteriorating. Yeah. I, I do think it is kind of remarkable for that. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I just found it quite slow, and as in where, um, with the music and the atmosphere and the setting, uh, uh, what was it called? Uh, Peeping Tom was cool, was damn cool. Like, I just felt cool watching that. This, I felt it was a little bit hackneyed, a bit like, oh, or they're, they're playing the swinging 60s music again, he's driving around yeah. in his sports car again. It was just a bit... It seemed like it was trying really hard. Now, I'm sure that's how Polanski was living at the time. So he was drenched in that kind of society. But I just didn't find it as like appealing. Oh, also, also, we should mention, though, quite some pretty good credentials as a horror film as far as upsetting scenes. Uh, the, the scene that the, she works as a beautician, ooh, eventually ooh. leaves her job, where she uh, is uh, assigned to do a pedicure and really... Fucks up the woman's finger. Yeah, that was in the cuticles. Couldn't quite watch. Like that, that was a nasty. That movie. is echoed in Black Swan, right? Oh. When she's like pulling the quick of her finger back yeah. and ripping the skin. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's too much. Yeah, that is exactly it. And the, like having the horrific nightmares at night where the stranger comes in and rapes her. Yeah, that's that's pretty nightmarish. That, that's pretty nightmarish. Um, the the scene where she attacks the uh, raping landlord with a yeah. straight razor is seen quite full on. Like the camera doesn't turn away. It's no. the the razor cutting away at the hands and face. And um, the scene where she kills her her suitor boyfriend by repeatedly ramming a candlestick into his skull is yeah. seen from the first person perspective. Is yeah. she's murdering the viewer. Like yeah, this. yeah, she's whacking you with a candlestick. And she dumps the body in the bath, and the like. The idea being that there's a cerebral hemorrhage, just blood pours out of the mouth. Yeah. The oh, when so, he goes in, just yeah. yeah. And um, so, if, if you're watching a 1965 film, thinking how rough could this be? It's pretty rough. Yeah, they like this took it to an when it took it to the extreme. When it did it, yeah. it did it properly. Yeah, it didn't Tom actually has a little bit of, of, of decency, let's call it, when yeah. there's a kill shot. 
with this node, the camera keeps looking yeah. until the body stops moving. Yeah. It's, a, it's a nasty one. With the slashing of the razors, like it's, there's no direct kill shot. There's just a lot of slashes right until finally just stops moving and it's just very still. Yeah, so I still, yeah, it's, it, it's, a, it's a fascinating film while simultaneously being quite dull to watch. Watch in two halves, that might make it a little more bearable. Well, I don't reckon you'd go back. <laughs> I, I say watch it in one because you may as well, like, you've got to sit through the, the boring first half to get to the, the good bit, the juicy bit. Um, I, like, two characters that were his friends, I quite like them. The, the lads that always drinking dicks. Yeah, they were quite yeah. dicks. Oh, go around to my house. Oh, steady on, Frankie. Like, you know, yeah. Oh. Weird homoerotic. Like, I've always felt it's weird in, in any male relationship the idea that you try to convince your friend to, to, to have sex with a woman. Like, it's yeah. your fucking business. Why are you trying to. Yeah. Like, what business do you have with your mates' privates and where they go? Yeah, yeah. Give, uh, us, give us the juicy details. Yeah. yeah. No, that was that was a rough one. So again, like we've gone through peeping tone, repulsion. Yeah. Oh, um, can I just say about the opening of those two films, right? They both open on an eye. Oh. And yes. Yeah. I don't know if that means anything, but they do. When I was watching, it, I was like, "Oh, this one opens on an eye as well." Well, yeah. This this traces all the way back. Is uh, the original, you know, the silent movies that were made in Russia. Uh, Sergei Eisenstein. Mm. Oh, I'm probably wrong about that, but man with a movie camera. One of the earliest films. Oh, yeah, I saw that at the cinema. That was far too long. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that Andy Warhol film with the Empire State Building. 20 minutes and I'm done. Yeah. Oh, eight, eight hours? Fuck off. Why? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that, that's two very, very classy films, very important to the development of the horror movie over the years. Yeah. Um, and some piece of shit called Madhouse. I love Madhouse. <laughs> right, Madhouse is the kind of film, you know when you're watching a horror film and they go around to someone's house and they put on a horror film? It's a film like Madhouse, <laughs> isn't it? It's, it's, not a, it's not a sensible film at all. Um, uh, Mad... Okay, all you right. You can do the rundown? I'll give a bit of a rundown. All right, so uh, an actor, um, Toby Hooms, or Ho- I can't remember his name, but Vincent Toons. Price. Toons. yes. Ben Toons. Ben Toons, played by Vincent Price, is an actor who is a very successful character in a film called uh, Dr. Death. And then his leading lady dies. Everyone thinks it's him. He spends some time in a madhouse. Then a few years later, he gets asked to reprise the role in a TV show. And then he goes over to England. And in England, people start to die around him who are working on the film. And he starts to think that Maybe Dr. Death has returned within him and he's killing everyone again and he can't remember it happening. Until, in the end, he finds out that it's actually his producer who wanted to be... Oh, director. Writer. Writer, oh yeah, who actually wanted to play Dr. Death in the first place. Um, And on the way, you meet the crazy lady who lives downstairs who used to be uh, pretty and somebody's wife and then was, I think, raped and beaten and burnt in a car. Oh, yeah. No, her story... Yeah. Okay, keep going, we'll get to the, yeah. And then she's down, so she's down living in the basement of this uh, country estate playing with the spiders who she calls her little children, which is some of the creepiest scenes for me when she's handling mm. the spiders. Um, and, yeah, you see some madcap death scenes. <laughs> Someone's trying out their new special effects where he's uh, locked on the bed 
and the top of the like the four poster bed comes down and crushes him. And then but, uh, but the special effect follows through and kills him. <laughs> kills him. <laughs> oh, also, a woman is murdered while playing a, a pinball machine that is inexplicably in a TV studio. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then when she goes to investigate what the noises are, you can still hear it being played. And she's uh, not playing it anymore. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. And, and and the at the end of the film, actually quite a terrifying old school horror ending. Yeah. Um, with yeah. Uh, the, okay, now th- this is important. The main character is played by Vincent Price. Yeah. Oh, I don't think that yeah. Vincent Price is a very good actor. What do you he mean? Was, he was always portrayed in America. They always joked about him being that you know seasoned hand, Vincent Price. He can't deliver a line in any other way than at the at the. He, he, his dial only goes to eleven. Yeah, like it's only no. Like, <laughs> My dear, when, leave me alone. <laughs> like it, it sucks in this film because he's supposed to be playing a real person who, on screen, is Doctor Death. Like, but isn't that how he probably is in real life? Right? Well, yeah, I've seen interviews with him, and he does actually genuinely sound so like he's, that. he's pretty not, much playing himself. He's not putting it on it. It only comes into relief that I don't think that works because the, the opposite number, the writer who turns out to be behind the murders all along, yeah. is played by Peter Cushing, who could play some shades of subtlety. Like, he's very good in it. Um, oh, what I say? Peter Cushing is the... Um, oh, who's the, the third Beatle? In, in the Beatles? George Harrison. Peter yeah. Cushing is the George Harrison of the whole Hammer Horror series, of the whole 70s horror films, because everyone kind of mildly overlooked him, but when it comes down to it, he was pretty fucking good. He, yeah, and, it, and in this one, he's especially good, because he's able to play, apparently, what he was in real life, a very nice, older gentleman, just happy yeah. to help his friend out, and it's only at the end, this bitterness comes through, and this yeah. anger that he, that he never got the role that he wanted, and he plays it to the hilt. Like, oh, yeah, in, yeah. That, in the final scene where that's revealed, he... He really runs that out. Yeah. And, and, the, and the final twist of the movie is that uh, the Vincent Price character murders Peter Cushing. Mm-hmm. But because everyone thinks he's both dead and a murderer, he has to put on makeup and pretend to be Peter Cushing, married to a crazy woman in the basement for the rest of his life. Yeah, yeah. A crazy woman who raises spiders. Yeah. Like, and it's a proper... And that's what this film is. While I don't feel it, it's successful for a number of reasons, one, I don't think... Uh, but it's not of, successful. I don't. No, I don't. I don't feel it. It, it wasn't successful in financial terms, but that's so many films that we yeah. talk about on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it also. I, I don't feel it's successful in in what it's trying to do because when it's being a very modern horror movie, yeah. when it's showing the modern horror sequences, they're quite dull. Like that. It's made worse by the fact that the murderer puts on black gloves and gets out a very sharp, sparkly razor blade, which draws immediate connection with the Italian giallo movies, the kind of stuff made by Dario Argento, yeah. and they were a lot flashier and a lot more energetic. Oh, I find that quite boring, though. Argento Which is maybe... probably what people who listen to this podcast would hate to hear someone say. <laughs> They'd be like, how dare you? But I just, yeah. You, you can relate to me because I love them. And, <laughs> yeah, like the Lucio Fulci films and everything, and... You know, they at the time they were trying all these new things. We'll, we'll, we'll. You could choose one for next week, yeah. and we'll we'll have a look. But yeah. um, but yeah, there, there seems to be a direct reference made with those films in this film that they seem to be saying this is what the modern horror is, and yeah. it's almost a response to the modern horror saying because the end of this film is like the old school horror. It, it's saying the old school horror still got a nasty kick to it, and the ending of this is quite nasty. Oh so, yeah, 
you know, it's it's got that real singing. Again, like the earlier episodes if you've seen, it's got that EC horror comics ending. Yeah, and yeah. Like, for all eternity, you will live as your enemy. Yeah, oh, that. you are doomed. Ah, oh, yeah. To have your crazy, crazy wife raise spiders. Yeah, uh, and there is also another thing I'd really like to praise about the film is there's a there's a there's a useless sex bot character that's introduced early on who's trying to have sex with Vincent Price to further her film career. Yeah, uh, useless sex bot character. She's a she's a, a plot point. She, she's, she's a, a plot point. She's not. Um, she's a useless sex bot character, but she's great. She gets <laughs> murdered in in a terrible murder sequence that only works if if you think that somebody has. No self-preservation and the need to follow dark shapes wherever they go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She chases a dark figure through a forest, yeah. um, but is not encouraging her yeah. to chase, nor is, appears to be the person that she's interested in. All right, yeah, but that is a bit of a flaw, but the way Dr. Death lures people into being killed is he appears as Dr. Death and then walks into a shadow, and they all go... <laughs> Oh, I'll just go and see what that man in the cloak and the mask wants. <laughs> it's, it's very, yeah, it's, it's very silly. She's not great. Her parents are amazing. Her parents are amazing. Ten thousand pounds. Ten thousand pounds. Ten thousand pounds. Ten thousand pounds. Oh, oh. They're, they're these money-grubbing, horrible people who raised her to be an actress and, and probably forced her into trying to have sex with Vincent Price. Like, yeah. And they're these real, like, monstrous things. They're, they're the kind of... This film's when I try and trying to do the things that I feel that British horror tends not to be that good at. Yeah. Like um, uh, extended chase and kill sequences. Yeah, not really yeah. Thing. Whereas the great horror characters, <laughs> the woman in the basement with the spiders is one. Yeah. And her parents, you know, crass, venal, yeah. inevitable victims. Like yeah. They're, they're Just spot on. Pure, filthy. Like, they don't seem to mourn the death of their daughter at all. They just want the money from him. Yeah. He ruined their plans and they're wearing those dirty overcoats and that we we can wait we can wait and they sit outside drinking cups of tea watching the the country estate as it's as they uh hope that they're gonna like, plant evidence saying that he definitely did the crime yeah no but but it is like even the, the wife of peter cushing the woman the crazy one who's obsessed with spiders she just kind of jump out of nowhere you're watching this film that's about a, a, an American movie actor going back to England to shoot this nice movie, and he meets his friend who's written the film, and it's, you know, it's nice that he's working again and everything. Yeah. Then he wanders down into the basement of the house man lives, where a crazy woman lives with spiders that no one's mentioned before and doesn't mention afterwards. Well, there's no real chance to mention before, but yeah, no one mentioned. He does, well, he does say, oh, I didn't think you'd see I thought you'd be upset if I told you about it. <laughs> I was upset. <laughs> oh, she only comes out at night. I was upset. <laughs> there, there are certain people who, like, you may not like the Jellos. I'm not sure that I like Vincent Price. Yeah, okay. And, and also, it is, it is unfortunate, I feel, that the film contains a number of clips of Vincent Price's old horror movies. Yeah, And, yeah. and Boris Karloff's horror movies. And uh, Basil, a couple of films that Basil Rathbone did. Yeah, 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 yeah. And... It is unfortunate because sometimes when the film's not going very well, you watch those clips and you think, I would rather be watching whatever that is. Yeah, because like, there's that one, it looks like uh, Boris Karloff and Vincent Price are wizards and they're just going at each other and making each other glow. Yeah, that's a Roger Corman one. I can't remember which, but I think it's a uh, it's an Edgar Allan Poe adaptation. Of they, the they, Raven. Yeah, they were, all, they were pretty much all Edgar Allan yeah. Poe adaptations because they were his actual films from the past. And I think it's hilarious, right, when he's got that interview with Parkinson. 
Man, he's he's sitting he gets interviewed by Michael Parkinson no, in the film. The great. actual Michael Parkinson. And he's sitting there and the interviewer says, so um, here's a couple of questions. and Let's watch a bit from one of your old films. Five minutes of the old film. And then one more question. and Let's watch a little bit more from one of your old films. It's the worst <laughs> interview in the world. And maybe we'll just play bits from his old films and go, it, that was him. Doesn't say anything to him to make him cry like a proper Parkinson interview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me about, was it painful losing your daughter? Yeah, oh. That never kicks in. So yes, this is, yeah, um, Madhouse. I feel bad about it. Would you recommend it? Because you said you enjoyed it a lot more than me. I, I, yeah. I, I mean, if you like horror, it's well worth a watch. It's a fun film. It's a fun, it's a fun part of the genre. Like it, it's not especially gory. It's not really going to offend anyone too much. But there are some crazy moments in it. I thought it was a, it was a, it was a good time. A good yeah. time had as a film, but you, no, you're not, you're not going to recommend it. I, I feel like you, you might be a bit bored, it, because it's not as technically competent as a lot of other horror films of the period, I, I feel. But, yeah, um, but it seems to be done with spirit. <laughs> it's done with spirit. <laughs> yeah. Love a film with spirit. They gave it their best. Um, and on to something that's not a fun watch, which is Kill List. Yeah, not, not a fun, fun watch at all. Um, we're going to disagree about this film, because I had a look at Neil's notes earlier, and you wrote BORING in capital letters. At the very, very top, right? Because about 20 minutes in, nothing had happened. And almost like half an hour in, nothing had happened. By then I was like, I just wrote BORING in capital letters. But then after that, it was amazing. Yeah. Like, oh my God, what a film. I just wish they'd cut 20 minutes out of the opening. Uh, I See, I don't... I'm, there, there's one word. I'm sorry. Uh, okay. Quickly, we'll get through the yeah, plot, go. and then I'll tell you the one word that sums this film up. Go on, uh, basically, there's a there's a man who used to be a soldier um, who, who's living with his family. He hasn't worked in eight months. His friend comes on and says, "I've got a job for you to do." His wife encourages him to do it because he's been sitting around the house doing nothing and yep. being generally unpleasant. Yeah. Uh, he goes off with his friend. Turns out the job is to kill some people on a list for some kind of corporation that have mm. hired them and his friend, the two guys, to do the job. They go through the list. First, there's a priest. Then there's a man who seems to be a pedophile and runs some sort of child porn. Makes child porn, yeah. Uh, or, or at that point, things get yeah. very weird, and both of them try to quit the job. They mm-hmm. come back and realise they can't quit the job because these people uh, who hired them have very long reach. They get back together. It turns out that this the people who hired them are part of a sort of Wicker Man style cult. Yeah. Uh, a British um, sort of uh, folkloric kind of cult group. And uh, through a series of circumstances, his best friend dies and he accidentally murders his wife and child in a horrific final sequence before being crowned what seems to be basically king of the idiots. Yeah. It's a nasty... And and this is is the word that I would use to sum this film up. Because I had to watch... I had to... I watched the first half and I had work the next day and I said, this... I, I can't... You know, I've got to keep my headspace all right. I had to watch it in two hours. The word I would use to describe this film is upsetting. Yeah, that's it is very upsetting. It opens with a domestic argument, a really nasty domestic argument, and the tone is always that. It's a marriage of British naturalism yeah. and uh, folk horror. This is a, it's a very modern British film. It's, it's, it follows the tradition of bleak, like upsetting, kitchen sink drama put into the setting, or put into a horror film, a pretty yeah. gritty horror film. Each film we've seen pretty much represents its time really, really well. Yeah. Like, um, 
Peeping Tom is on the cusp of the 60s and the 50s, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of that happening. It's, it's, it shows you a lot of England at the time and how there's a bit of a, a divide between the people that get the jobs of choice and uh, the prostitutes who have to do what they do, but how they kind of mingle together. Um, Proportions uh, are swinging 60s, birth of sexual liberation. Yeah. 1974 is the, the birth of corporate Britain as represented by the modern filmmakers versus the people who used to make the old classy films like Vincent Price. Yeah, yeah. And then you have Kill List. Which is a true sign of like the repression and the depression in England at the moment. The riots that happen, it sums it up. Britain is a, a, a country going through a hard time right now. And even contract killers seem to be having it uh, a tough time during this recession. Oh, it's uh, so well acted, and it's yeah, it's beautiful. Isn't it? the, the the most direct comparison. I don't know if you've seen this film. Is uh, Shane Meadows' Dead Man's Shoes? Yes, was a revenge film that used British naturalism to tell the story of a man who, whose brother. I don't want to spoil don't, that. Don't I, I won't spoil that. That is an amazing film. But, but yes, yeah, it. it's the same thing. It's, they've looked at the films of Mike Lee from the 1960s onwards, and uh, yeah, and um, I suppose even oh, Ken, what's his name? The guy that did the Ken, one that shakes the barley. Ken Loach. Ken Loach. Yeah, the Ken Loach kind of films. He's very and pretty like Get Carter esque and the Bob Hoskins gangster movies. Yes, yeah, there's crime movie elements in there as well, but that's like it's really. Yeah, the the ups, the word upsetting. There's constant tension under the surface. Oh, Just yeah. the camera is off the tripod and moving. Mm. Which in some films it is used unnecessarily to generate energy. In this, it's to give you tension. Yeah. Anything could happen. This oh. camera would film anything that's going to kick in. Um, the score is this constant low, rising, upsetting noise, like a dirge underneath. Whenever there should be silence, yeah. There's an engine running. Background. Yeah, this is something bad's going to happen. And it, it, like the the protagonists are contract killers. Mm. They mean people. Oh, awful! When those uh, uh, Christian alcoholics are drinking their orange juice and toasting, and he gets out the guitar and starts playing the guitar, and he gets up and deals with it. Like, and that guy's like, "Jesus loves you." And he's like, "Well, if you're the kind of people he hangs around with, tell him to stay out of my way." Yeah, and he doesn't actually hurt anyone, but. Everyone is scared. Yeah, the, the bit of dialogue that really got to me in, in, in the film was when they're going to uh, murder the priest. Uh, the main character suggests that, you know, a lot of the priests turn out to be kitty fiddlers anyway. Uh, yeah. And he says, you know, um, this, if, if you kill him, might get you a pass on all the other terrible shit. <coughs> he says to his friend, and his friend says, just for the record, I've hardly done any terrible shit. Yeah, and yeah. And just brings it back. Like, it's a, it, it's guys trying to do tough guy gangster dialogue and that line, just for the record, I haven't done anything to drag you back into reality. Of, yeah. I'm not great, but this is fucked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? yeah and then it really, I loved, like, that it plays on that revenge fantasy because when you hear about, you know, child molesters or people who've hurt mm -hmm. children in and everything you do you get that knee-jerk reaction of I, I hope they're hurt I yeah hope something bad happens to it. And yeah. this film plays on that and I um, the day after I saw it I was working and one of the ladies I worked with was reading the paper and they had like a Herald Sun article about they've let these perverts back on the street yeah yeah and she's sitting in the middle of our lunchroom in the middle of the day in a normal office and she says I just kill them I just straight up kill them and you're supposed to in your normal life you're supposed to go by with these weird threats of abject violence being thrown around yeah and in this film it just carries that through it's like you want to be a killer do you know what killing is yeah it's really like I, I really appreciate 
that about the film. It has a lot going on in its head. Yeah, it doesn't. No, there's no glory like pow pow and people just dying and everyone a witty quip. Like a punch in the face is a real painful oh. thing to see when it's got that guy tied up and he hits him in the face. Like it, it, it hurts. You know, there's but no. It's it's really important though that this is a violent film. We, oh, we have very, to admit that. Very violent. But, like the, the film, the 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 upsetting nature of it is so so intense that doesn't matter whether there's violence or not happening on the film, the unhappiness you feel is the same. Yeah. Like no matter what's going on, you just it it just puts you through the ringer. Yeah. You leave it feeling just just run out, and you may not enjoy seeing that in a film, but it's like nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. You will have an experience watching this film, but one thing. The, like there's a lot of questions unanswered. What the hell is going on? There's basically <laughs> one of the questions at least when she scratches the symbol in the back and then all the weird crazy stuff happens and it says this, this is the uh, woman from the start of the film. Oh it yeah. opens with a dinner party. Yeah. Who leaves the dinner party to scratch a symbol under the back of the couple's mirror. And take a bloody tissue. Yeah. That he used to clean himself up when he when he was uh, cutting himself shaving earlier. And before the victims die, they thank him for killing them. They all thank him. And when he's got that, when they've got the uh, the the paedophile movie distributor tied to the chair and they're punching him and uh, oh, torturing him with a cigarette, mm. uh, and they ask, and uh, the Irish guy gets up and leaves the room to go to the safe to get the money. He says he doesn't know who you are, does he? And he's like, "What do you mean?" It's like he doesn't know who you are. Oh, and I'd just like to say this. I'd just like to say, thank you. It's an honour to meet you. And this guy's just been torturing him yeah. for like an hour or so. And it's just like, what? It? And every time he tries to hurt him more and more, he says, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's never resolved. Yeah, certainly it's a, it, it is a great work of horror. It doesn't tell you a lot about what's going on. It leaves no. you with an unsettled feeling. Oh, yeah. It sort of, it sticks in your mind. The director of it's a guy called Ben Wheatley, who started out just doing like internet trick videos. Yeah. Like uh, videos where someone seemed to be hit by a car, but they jump over and land on the other side. The kind of thing you wouldn't shared to people with emails even yeah. in the early days of the internet and he, he learned about filmmaking through that and he worked on a lot of British comedy Yeah, and it, it tells that he, he's worked with me Michael Smiley is a guy who actually one of the actors in this he turned up on a lot of British sitcoms he was tyres in space he was he was yeah, bam yeah. the penny just dropped so that, that is... that's tyres from space in his later films he, he's recently done one called A Field in England yeah, um, which has just come out on DVD advertising. advertising. Yeah, um, and uh, he he's in that as well. He um, as well as Reeve Shearsmith from League of Gentlemen. So this is a guy who worked a lot in, in comedy, and I think it, I think there's a connection between comedy and horror that tells you a lot about because if if timing. comedy if comedy is all timing and tension, yeah, like how long you can string people along, yeah. before the release, before you crack it with a punchline or a whack on the head with a hammer, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. But I found I found the domestic stuff at the start of the film. I find, found it just as upsetting as the murdering stuff later on. Well, like there's watching, a child involved, people, and... there's a child in the house. It feels like when you when you're at a 
Domestic, being in a room with a domestic violence, I always feel, you know when you're a kid and you go to a friend's house and you see their parents arguing? Like, seeing your own parents arguing is another thing, but there's that horrible, uncomfortable feeling that yeah. you're an unwelcome visitor in the house. Yeah, and now they don't, they don't want you there because they want to get on with their um, arguments yeah. and they're having that family life. Um, I like it when they, uh, the first, when, they, when they're going to go and get their first victim. Um, they're in the hotel room, and it's like, oh, what should we do? Should we follow him around and like, just take him out? They went, no, let's just go and spray him down like a, like a hackney crackhead. <laughs> I really like that line. Because like, when I was living in London, there were always reports of hackney crackheads spraying people down with, with machine guns. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's, that's pretty true. What a horrible place. Yeah. No, but... Uh, um... No, I did like that. Like the the characters, the acting in this film is so good. Like it's it really is that old school British thing, the kind of stuff that Terence Stamp and Gary yeah. Oldman and David Thewlis seem to come out of. Of that, you learn improv, you have to learn learn method, and you have to be able to just react in the scene. And yeah. so these are real characters you see getting along. Yeah. Until a bad thing. When, and their conversations, it's very heavily uh, Quentin Tarantino influenced by the fact that these two hitmen are having just regular conversations about their day and, uh, you know, what their favourite meals are and stuff. And Tarantino Taran- than- was one, he wasn't the first, but he was one of the guys to really push the idea that, well, yeah, because in any job you have a normal conversation. Yeah. You start sitting in a car for someone for three hours, you're going to talk about what your favourite TV show is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not just going to be talking about gangster stuff the whole time, yeah. which is what, like, lots of films were doing before that, so that's that's a good. I like that bit. The, the detail I loved was they go to a fancy hotel to sign a deal with um, this man who may be a devil worshipper, or it's never quite made clear what he is to to go and murder some people. And, yeah. Uh, on on their way out, as they're clearing up after the meeting, they hit the soap. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That is that is cool. Oh, and when he cups him to seal it in blood, mm. um, and he says, uh, like the guy's cut turns to smiley and says. Um, don't worry, it's okay. He says, no, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> it's not okay. You just slashed your hand open, but they were like, no, no, it's okay. Like, no, it's not. And it won't stop bleeding. Yeah. Oh. Oh. It no, is. There's, there's some very unanswered questions about that, but that's the idea. The, the film does that to put you off centre. You're, you're not sure what's going on. And you're looking yeah. For a, you're looking for a solution and a reason. The film doesn't leave you. It doesn't it? give you anything. It just anything. says, you, you know, you, you've murdered your way to the point of being king. Yeah. Happy now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when, when they do disturb the... When they hang, right? They, they are, they're going to go and kill a rich guy. So they're going through the forest to a big estate. And um, they see a, uh, like a, a devil-worshipping type style ritual. We're not sure if they are worshipping anything in particular. It's not clear. The, the god of the cornfields kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. From Children of the Corn. You're not quite sure. Yeah, yeah. Very, very Children of the Corn. Very Wicker Man. Um, just people, they're naked, but they've got these uh, awesome, terrifying masks on that are made of hay. And then they hang a woman, and I think she is dressed in a suit made of money. You know, I, I, I kind of tried to double-check that. It's very difficult to see, but it looks like it's a suit made of money. And then when they open fire on those guys, and those guys run after them, there is a sense of, like those guys won't stop. They're just going to keep on coming. Kind of very race with yeah. the devil. Like, it's going to be a very... Um, uh, the guy who did The Ward, 
like very John Carpenter. John Carpenter. Yeah, very. Yeah, yeah, very much. That these there's going to be a lot of them. They're, you're going to be able to shoot them individually, but there's a mass that's going to keep on heading your way yeah. until they get you. And there, there is that thing. It's really, it's the same thing as Predator. You have very like whenever they're doing the murder, very professional killers. Yeah. Who are suddenly scared of something. So you as an audience who've never been in a gunfight or anything, well, that's a little message to you that if these guys are scared, you guys should be shitting You yourself. should be terrified of this, yeah. Yeah. But the, yeah, the performances are so great. The, the main character, the protagonist, is such an unlikable man. But... Like, difficult you, to get along, but also clearly very human. Yeah, and I don't know, I found myself backing him. Like, he loved his kid, he loved his wife, they were dysfunctional, um, but he just wanted to go out and make some more money, and then he was off of this thing, and it just went too far. Yeah. And everyone talks about how things went completely wrong in, where was it he was? I don't know, some country that he was in fighting in the war. Um, that things went wrong in... Oh, Kiev? Kiev, that was yeah. it, yeah, that was it. Um, and, yeah, and he, I found him quite, actually quite likeable. But horrible. Mm. Like, he's a horrible, horrible man. Yeah. That really thoroughly enjoyed going, finding those pedophiles, and torturing the shit out of them. Yeah, one, one way you could look at this film would almost be um, those uh, Mockney gangster films from the late 90s and early 2000s that emerged in the wake of Lock, Stock, and Two Smoke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like a, like a reversal of that. It's an antidote to that. Yeah, because those films were about these hard-talking boys who get away with them. <laughs> um, yeah, no, they like get away with the money, and then and then this film turns around and says, "So you're, you know, you're not that bothered about killing people or whatever. You want to see where that leads? Yeah, because that's not a good place. Not at and all. It's, it's it's what England was built on is people who weren't that bothered about murder. Yeah, and like in the in the pagan days and all the way through the feudal system and everything. This mm-hmm. is you think you're this hard boy who's been through shit no one else has ever been through before." And your country was built on this. You yeah. have no idea how deep this goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a good film. Yeah. I would highly recommend this. Um, yeah, so that, that's a pretty good rundown, I guess. But I, I feel I feel like that's um, two very, very classy films that, you know, you if, if you're some sort of uh, cinema academic, you, you would do well to see. Yeah. Um, one piece of shit. <laughs> Maybe you could... <laughs> Maybe if you're having a night in watching some old British horror films, yeah. you could chuck in. And one very good film that if somebody wants to see a very good horror film, they should see that. That's yeah. a very good horror film. I reckon, I reckon if you're a film student, you'd do well to watch Kill List. Yeah. Because it doesn't look like it's got much of a budget, but no. it is done really, really well. And also I've watched Dead Man's Shoes because that's another one done very yeah. well on a budget. That, not... that almost fits in. We, we may do that film later on. That would almost fit in the remake. Yeah, I reckon. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, um, thank you very much for listening. We have a uh, Twitter, which I never have quite prepared, but I always think, you know what I should do? I should prepare the Twitter before we do the show Something so I can beyond. see it. Um, it is on the, the, the Twitter website. <laughs> We're called at Upworth It for all the jokes around. <laughs> yeah. Um, alright, here we go. It came from Beyond the Podcast. And I guess if you type that in, you'll find us. But it is at HorrorPod. That's H-H-O, uh, at H-O-R-R-O-R-P-O-D. If you want to email us, um, you can email us on neilelectrics at gmail.com. 
And uh, yeah, thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much. Cool. Thank you. Good night. Good night. We can wait.